Opinions expressed in this episode are personal. They do not necessarily reflect the views of this streaming platform. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Let's Be Diverse. I am your host, Andrew Stout. This episode is dedicated to all my loved ones who supported me through this journey. We have all heard the saying, there are two things that are guaranteed in life, death and taxes. Well, over time, I've realized there's a third thing that we can add to that, and that is employee turnover. I say this because now more than ever, recruiting, hiring, retaining great talent is a vital part of the success of any organization. In many organizations, turnover is increasing at rapid rates and is becoming expensive. In today's episode, we're going to talk about this very issue, the cost of employee truth. I am so honored to have as my guest today, Carla Titus. Now, Carla is a founder CEO of Wealth and Worth Finance Expert with over 15 years of combined corporate financial planning, analysis, strategy, established businesses, consulting, and experience. She is a fractional CFO who provides financial consulting and advisory services to business owners. Her priorities of their clients range from growing profits, having cash in the bank, and paying themselves well so they could both build wealth. Welcome to the show, Carla. It is great to have you on today. Thanks so much, Andrew. I'm really excited to be here today. That's great to have you on. We actually talked for a little bit while now try to get you on, so I'm glad that the, the day finally came today. Yeah, uh, we run a very busy calendar around here, but I'm so happy to be here and I couldn't be more excited for this interview. I'm very excited. How are things with you? What's new in your world? Um, we're just growing and scaling our own business as much as we're helping our clients grow and scale profitably as well. Uh, just brought in a couple of team members. I can completely understand employee turnover and just the cost of that in general. <laughs> Over time, we've had, you know, very different team as we've grown and evolved. And I'm just excited to share some of the experience and knowledge of running the CFO side of a business and how we look at employee turnover and how we can help business owners better plan for the future. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that things are going well. It's awesome when you can get some help in your business. So that must mean that things are going well. So congratulations. Thank you. You're very welcome. So before we begin, I always have a fun question to ask my guests to get things going. Are you ready for yours? So ready. <laughs> so ready. Okay. So my question is, a would you rather? Would you rather be an Olympic gold medalist or Nobel Peace Prize winner? Um, I think I'll take the Olympian medalist just because I love sports and I've always been very competitive. And while the academia side of what I do is super exciting and interesting, I love physical activity. I don't think we get enough of it in this day and age. And mm -hmm. I would rather train physically for something demanding that gets me away from a computer, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's always nice to get away from the computer, whether it's a walk, a workout, whatever. I always say the same thing. It's nice to just walk away for five minutes, clear the mind, and then I find you're just clearer when you come back to it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. The other price sounds amazing as well. And, you know, I'm sure it means a lot to a lot of people who have got it. Uh, just personal preference. Nothing wrong with, you know, winning a Nobel Prize either. <laughs> no, no kidding. I, I would say that that would be a pretty good prize as well. Correct. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah. So why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about you and your story? Yeah. So we started consulting about five years ago. Um, we were partnering with a lot of business owners that were just having a lot of questions around their finances and they weren't sure what to do with it. They had not really paid attention to it and they were struggling to understand why is their business not making enough money? Why can't they pay themselves? Why is there no money in the bank after all the hard work that they had put in? And so we started to work with a few businesses and realized that there was a lot of um, commonalities in the issues that they had around you know, preserving the team retention issues around uh, managing margins, having the right pricing structure in place. And we obviously have the expertise and background. My background was an undergrad in finance and 11 years of corporate finance experience that I, you know, utilize to support my clients now and five years of doing this type of work of consulting for small business owners to really bring the corporate structure and planning and the things that really work well with a big company and adapt them to the small business owner at the right level to really impact their bottom line, make sure that they are hitting their goals and also staying, you know, achieving and towards their goals working um, to make sure that those become a reality and having a really clear plan on how are they going to achieve those goals? What are those goals in the first place? And being very mm-hmm. intentional around the financial planning of the business that I think tends to be an afterthought, but it's the first thing that will get you in trouble and out of business if you're not managing it. So mm-hmm. our passion for finance, um, married with a passion for serving people and really helping business owners thrive for the long term really brought me to this space of doing consulting for them. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting that you talk about that. Do you find that a lot of businesses forget to focus on that aspect? Uh, yeah, it's funny you say that because a lot of the times the feedback we get from clients is if it wasn't for our monthly check-in or a, you know, every two weeks, we actually would not be thinking about the numbers or even reviewing the numbers. So they almost use our time together as an accountability milestone mm-hmm. in their business to really sit down and dedicate the time to look at their numbers, know what's happening with the business and then inform their decision making going forward based on the results we're seeing. And not that, you know, everybody needs that, but I think business owners are so busy wearing 20 different hats, doing so much mm-hmm. for their business that it's really easy to just not pay attention or focus, you know, your attention to this aspect of it and, you know, have to deal with all the other things that comes with business ownership, marketing, HR, legal, you name it, they're doing it all. Um, and so it almost acts as a way to help business owners find the time and dedicate the time to really being intentional around their numbers. I think that's great that you do that, Carla, because I do believe that, especially leaders, I think it's okay to ask for help or ask questions because you're not going to know how to do everything or you're not going to be good at everything. So by getting the assistance from people like yourself or in other different aspects of a company, I believe is going to help your company grow because you're not doing something that you don't know how to do properly. Exactly. And sometimes uh, business owners are very intuitive and they do know what decisions are going to help their business move forward. And all they're missing is the data, you know, or the data points that support that theory that they have. Um, they've been running this thing right on their own. They know what's going on. And sometimes they're just doubting themselves and the data can really help 
them feel more confidence in the decisions they're making and also know that the direction they're taking their business in is the right one to achieve the goals that they want to see happen. And so we're just here to partner and bring a different perspective, expertise. And at at times I see the business owners get stuck solving problems because they're just one person. And when they start to have a conversation with us, they can start to get new ideas or brainstorm different solutions. And we also bring ideas to the table, of course, and get creative on how do we move forward? How do we overcome this obstacle? And what are the options that either we've seen work well in the past for other business owners, or that maybe they have not thought about? Because it's really hard to be thinking outside the box where you're in the day-to-day of your business. It's like being inside a jar and trying to read the label on the outside. It's almost impossible, right? You got to squint really hard. Maybe you'll see the reflection. But if you have an expert on the outside saying, have you considered this? Or I see this on the label. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, my God, like, I did not even think about that. And or that sparks an idea of maybe that wasn't the idea. But then I thought of something else that's even better that I know will work well for my business. And that partnership really is supposed to bring in additional value and create that value add of having a partner that focuses on finances and brings that perspective to the table. I love that answer. Thank you very much for that. So what I would love for you to do is to explain to our listeners what the cost of employee truth means. Yeah, so this one is one that I find a lot of business owners have a hard time grasping the concept of overall cost of employees. There is the salary that we pay employees. That one is pretty clear. I think a lot of people understand the hourly or the salary rate. But what they're not understanding or missing in the equation when they're trying to budget for this proactively before hiring a role is that there's going to be additional costs such as employer taxes. There's going to be cost of insurance and total compensation benefits that might be outside of the actual pay rate that you give employees. Mm -hmm. Then there's additional costs such as uh, having the employee get access to the software that you utilize to run your business. And all of a sudden, that employee number 11 go you over the hump and now you're into the next tier of price point for that software tool that you didn't even account for. And now you're paying double what you were before, but you didn't think through that because you were at 10 users and all of a sudden number 11 gets you to the next tier and you're paying twice as much. So... You know, those are things that I think business owners are just not thinking about proactively or ahead of time. And it's things that we tell them, you know, and come in with the expertise to know, Hey, we need to budget the, all the extras. And then another good example is for, is buying an employee a laptop, right? So sometimes we don't even think about that. And if the company is going to provide the laptop or the home office allowance, or maybe it's the wellness stipend or something else that attracts the employee that wants to keep them, you know, working for us, we need to budget for all those things proactively. And Mm -hmm. I just see that missed a lot. And it's not a very obvious thing to think about because you're Mm -hmm. just like, this is what I offer. This is the hourly or the salary. And we kind of end the conversation at that point. Mm. And it's funny that you mentioned that like laptops and even like a wellness program, I was talking with someone else in another episode, and I was saying that when you were looking for a new job, a lot of candidates are asking these questions. Do you have a wellness program? Do you have a anti-bullying policy? How are you on mission, visions, and values? So when you say wellness program, do they have it? Do they actually understand how important it is, but also what the costs are of having one? 
Yeah, it's not just a cost, right? Because I think that is an investment in the employee and the higher you're trying to land and also retain over time, that's going to produce better results because they're, you know, feeling healthy and well balanced in their in their life and in their job and being fulfilled. Um, mm. But it's also, I think, another aspect of culture fit that employees are looking for nowadays. They right. want to know that the company you work for cares about your well-being and that they are making very clear that they do value it by putting their dollars behind their actions. And Mm -hmm. at times we can't compete with big corporate salaries when it comes to small business ownership um, and being able to attract that type of talent, but we can compete on flexibility on course and values alignment. We can compete on um, the wellness side of it and everything that could be important to an employee that we can get very creative around. For example, it could be tuition reimbursement of some kind, or even just a stipend to 10 conferences to far to develop your professional um, mm-hmm. knowledge. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that I think tend to get overlooked by what the small business owner can provide that maybe in a different, bigger company that is not prioritized. And if it is, maybe it's not like the right type of program. So I think business owners need to re- realize that they need to be able to list out all the things that make them different. Maybe it's the flexible work arrangements. Maybe you don't have to be tied to a nine to five. Maybe you can do your work at night or on the weekends mm-hmm. and they don't mm-hmm. care as long as you produce the result. Mm-hmm. And so having that fit of employees are getting what they need and the company is able to provide them with all these extra things that are beneficial beyond their pay. Because sometimes it doesn't even cost us anything to have a flexible schedule, right? right. It's just something employees really want. And meeting those needs are going to help you attract better talent. Right. So we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I'd like to know what are some of the hidden truths about the costs of employees? So, you know, hiring is expensive, <laughs> onboarding mm-hmm. is expensive, <laughs> and then yeah. retaining employees is also an action that it needs to be actively managed. It's not something that once you have the employee on board, you forget about them and you just like never ask ever again. You never think about it. You have to proactively be thinking about what is going to help, you know, the employees stay and retain that time. Cause every time you have turnover, it costs so much money to replace and retrain and start from scratch and, you know, make sure that they're fully contributing to the business and business, small businesses, every single hire counts, right? It's mm-hmm. even more critical that we keep the talent, but we also keep good talent um, around. And I think the timing on when all this happens could have a huge impact on the business that um, becomes much more obvious when the results are not being met or the employee maybe is not performing. It's also a true cost to the business to not be able to produce the revenue or results that they're expecting. So it becomes even more critical to know that the retention has to be in the forefront. We got to be actively working with employees to ensure that they're happy, that we're meeting their needs and vice versa. Also giving them really good, strong feedback around performance and what are our expectations and are they meeting them or how can we help them improve over time so that we can avoid some of those costs that, Again, we don't think about proactively in managing the mm-hmm. business, but they're real. They're real because they happen. Performance is going to cause issues to the bottom line. And then mm-hmm. even overperforming employees would be a great thing, though, if it's not sustainable and they burnt out. That's mm-hmm. a problem too, right? So we got to be noticing mm-hmm. and doing, taking action and making sure that we're proactively mm-hmm. having those conversations. 
It's interesting that you said that. Do you think that leaders play a huge role in this? And the reason why I ask is because I definitely believe in communication and check-in. So communicating with your employees frequently to make sure that stuff is going smoothly and a simple check-in, like, did you take a break today? Did you have lunch today? How did the day go? Is there anything that that I can help you out with? I definitely think that when you're talking about all these things, hiring expense, onboarding, retention, I definitely think if a leader is vocal and communicates, it could definitely reduce those areas as well. Absolutely. That is super, you know, relevant and like very much the leader's role is to make sure their people are doing well. But I, what I think I notice often with clients is that as they grow their business, they forget the right org structure that they need to have in place to be able to do Mm. that job well. And what I mean Mm. by that is maybe they started with 10 employees and now they're, uh, 30 employees and they're all reporting to the same one person. How do you expect that one leader to keep tabs on that many employees and do it well? You don't. So that's why you need to come back and create a good org structure that can decentralize the leadership onto delegating to maybe senior managers or middle managers by creating the structures where you can have less people reporting to, you know, the one person and then those people report to the one leader that can maybe handle five to 10 people. And then they can have the time to not just do their job, but also check on their people and make sure that everybody else is also being checked on as far as did you take a break? Did you go to lunch? Did, um, you know, do you take your vacation days? Right. And Mm -hmm. people forget that. You can go all year and wait until the last two weeks and then, oops, we did not take vacation time. That's a problem, right? You want yes. your people well rested. You want them recharged and you want them to produce at a high level. And they can't do that if they're not taking the time off that they need. Yep. And I also think too, Carla, that it's important for the leaders to make sure that their employees are going home with a clear mind, relaxed, that they're not thinking about what jobs they need to do the next day or what they didn't do. I think it's the job leader to check in and make sure that they're okay so that they're not worrying about their job. They're able to spend some quality time with their family as well. Yeah, I think it's definitely a two-way street for me because I feel that there is accountability on the employee to ask for help or say, hey, this is not working or we need a more time to deliver on this. At the same time, the leader should be proactively checking. Are we giving them, you know, the right scope? Is it too much scope? And it needs to be a two-way communication at all times because, you know, the leader has a lot going on. The employee has a lot going on. And I think everybody Mm -hmm. needs to put effort into communicating what are the needs and what are the requests to be able to better manage what's happening and the flows of scope and, you know, deliverables that need to be accomplished. Yeah, it's a trust and respect thing, right? You have trust and respect on both ends and it's going to go a lot smoother. That's for sure. What would you say is a timeline for a full contribution? This one is a tricky one because it's definitely dependent on the business, the employee, and like how quickly can they learn? How good of an onboarding process do you have? And what kind of support do you provide the employee during the point in time where they're starting, even before they start, right? You have paperwork and things that they're signing to get onboarded into the team. And having solid processes for this is going to be key in not Mm -hmm. wasting time and also helping the employee feel like they're getting the right level of communication and that they feel like they understand the process before they even get started. 
And this one, I feel that business owners sometimes overlooked or just maybe don't make the time to prioritize. And, you know, it is a learning process and it is a work in progress type situation where if your onboarding hasn't been great, you get another chance the next time and you can improve mm-hmm. upon it. So instead of, you know, beating yourself up for not having an excellent onboarding process <laughs> that gets your employee from day one to full contribution right away, Take it as right. a learning opportunity to improve on it every step, document what's working well, adjust what is not working well. Also ask the employee for feedback. How do you think your onboarding process went? And did that hump, you know, did that help or did that hinder your ability to get to full contribution quicker? What could have helped if we did XYZ things to get you there faster, quicker, better. And sometimes it's just honestly the person and personality, right? Some people are really go-getters, mm. type A's, and they're just going to do it all, figure it all out, ask the questions, jump in and do it. And then some people are going to be a little bit more passive about it. And there's nothing wrong with those people. They're just maybe taking their time. They're really thoughtful. They're really thinking through things before, you know, just jumping at it. And so you want, obviously two different types of employees and maybe adjust your boarding process to account for that and make sure that you have regular checkpoints, at least for the first 90 days to understand where are we at on the process? Is the employee struggling or thriving? And then what can we do to ensure that they feel fully supported and on their way to full contribution as quick as possible without obviously pushing or putting too much pressure on that. And mm-hmm. just know people sometimes just need time to absorb and people learn in different styles. So something to really consider in your onboarding process. Are they a hands-on doing it kind of person to learn? Are they an audio learner? Are they a visual person? What kind of learning style do they have? And can we adjust our onboarding process to meet, you know, a few of them, if not most uh, learning styles so that we can ensure that they get to full contribution quicker? Hmm. I guess I could see some people, like you mentioned, feedback Do you see a lot of companies getting feedback from employees to find out how the onboarding went? I have not seen it as much as I would like to. I think there's definitely a huge Mm. opportunity for people to slow down and take a minute. Listen, I understand you're busy running a business. The last thing you need is yet Mm -hmm. another meeting, another email. But a lot of these things could be automated. You could do a five-question survey that gets automatically sent out to employee on day 60. Or you can have three different ones, one at 30 days, one at 60 days, one at 90 days that has different Mm. questions. And get this data and information without it being a burden. But you got to create the systems and process and then leverage automation to help you do the work that you know you're not going to get to because you're busy. But do it once and set it and kind of forget it because once the data comes back, then you can take action and do something about it and give the employee the choice, right? Some employees are more vocal. Some employees love to give feedback. Some of them don't and they're happy and they're fine. And so also don't, you know, take that personally and don't look too much into it. Um, it's just given opening the door to the conversation. And maybe you will find that by sending those things, the employees are more receptive or open mm. to in a one-on-one having the conversation and just giving you verbal feedback about their you know, situation and how their onboarding went. So again, it's just about giving them an opportunity and knowing that it is top of mind for us to know how well is this going for you. And then obviously you also have an opportunity to tell them how well you think the process is going um, and Mm. give them some feedback as well. I love what you just said there. It just resonated with me. I think that, you know, 30, 60, 90 days is a perfect setup. 
And, you know, some people are going to be a little bit timid because they don't want to burn any bridges. They feel that if they say something, you know, strongly about that people might get pissed off at them. But I definitely agree with you that, you know, a 30, 60, 90 day check in to see how they're doing or if there's any feedback. It would be great for, you know, the next onboarding situation. And, you know, you can always make things better. We can always improve on things. So I love that idea. Yeah, and don't forget, you can always use your one-on-one time to just ask the question and invite, mm-hmm. you know, some feedback either offline or later um, in written form or verbal. And it doesn't necessarily have to be regimented, but when you have an opportunity and you want to set up some systems that support you in that, it makes it just easier and not have to think about it and have it top of mind every single time you hire an employee because we know Ooh, things well, get yeah. missed and processes could get messy if you don't have them um, outlined well. For sure. So how do you prepare financially for a new hire? Um, So financially speaking, we always uh, work with our clients backwards from when they want to hire a new employee or maybe a a bunch of new employees in some cases and outline the hiring plan. And what we want to have them do is build a cash runway to make sure that for the first two or three months of those employees coming on board, that we have the cash cushion to support a payroll, regardless of what happens with the company financially. And the reason why that's important is because business have seasonal uh, stages and sometimes business slow down in the summer. Maybe some businesses get really slow in the winter and Mm -hmm. you might still want to bring on those hires, but you don't want to be stressed out about bringing on those hires and having to pay for it if you have not properly planned financially ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So before Mm -hmm. we go make hiring decisions, we are outlining the plan on the timeline. We're also outlining the cost of what the employees might you know, want a compensation and we're building into the forecast and the budget for what we, when and how we want to bring on those employees. And then if we hire a little later than we expected, that is no problem. As long as we're not hiring ahead of the plan. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And again, we like to keep things flexible. We know opportunities come up and we want to be able to take advantage of that, but you need to be in a solid financial standing in order to be able to take care of those or take advantage of those opportunities. So we want you prepare at all times in case you meet someone and it's an excellent hire and it's what you've been looking for all along, but you just weren't ready to hire for another three months that you can bring them on board and have them be part of the team earlier than you thought. And that you're not going to stress out at night knowing how you're going to make payroll happen in two weeks because you didn't financially properly plan ahead of time. So you talked about cushion, Carla. So do companies come to you and say, okay, we're looking to hire our employees or finding that things are getting a little bit busier. We'd like to bring somebody on maybe in the next six months or so. So do you set like a plan for them to say, okay, you mentioned uh, cash cushion. So do you prepare them to say, okay, this is what you need. And, you know, let's work on getting prepared for this in the next six months so that you're able to bring that person on. Exactly. And what we do is we proactively start uh, building the cash cushion ahead of that hire. We start outlining the potential timelines on when we would want to bring on this role. We start to work with HR and partner to define the role and what is the job that you want to be, you know, having them do in the business. As the business grows, there's going to be an increased need for support. And we just know that's coming mm-hmm. because if we're working to build out the business and grow over time, then we know we're going to probably need more support that could be in the form of employee, a contractor, or anything that 
is going to help support a business. And in some cases, it could even be just buying another piece of software that can help us automate something else. So it doesn't always mean an employee hire, but we want to assess those options and decide what is the need of the company? When is that need coming? And then plan ahead proactively for the cost. Know that we will start hiring, you know, or start the process of hiring in five months to land someone on month six. And that that is not a surprise that we know that we were intentionally growing, that we knew we were going to bring another team member to do XYZ role. And it's already been uh, planned for outlined and it's ready to go so that when you go execute, you're not guessing what should be the salary? What is the job description? What would they be doing here? We've already so- thought through ahead of time and prepared a company with that runway and cushion. And they feel really good about bringing on that role because they have thought ahead of time when the need was coming and prepared um, all their finances, maybe even increased profits or margin to help support that additional cost that's going to be coming on the team. But nothing happens by accident. It's all very intentional and it's very much proactive financial planning that helps us get to those goals. I just love all that that you just packed in there. That's great info. Thank you so much. If you could choose one word to describe yourself, what word would it be? Um, this one was a little tough for me because I had like a few, but I think I landed on determined. I feel like there's nothing getting in my way. <laughs> there's always a way and that I will find um, a way to achieve what I'm trying to achieve in life. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, it served me so well. And I think it will continue to serve me in my lifetime to just use that determination to achieve all my goals you know, regardless of what they are. Um, but again, it's being very intentional, right? Like that determination of drive really comes with intention on what I'm doing, how I'm doing it and when I'm going to be achieving it. So, um, mm. thinking back on, on the words that came to me, that was the one that really resonated. I think you picked the right one from my <laughs> dealings with you on the phone and emails and text messages. I would definitely say that that is one word that I would describe for you. You picked the perfect one for sure. For sure. Oh, you thank are, you. <laughs> you're very, you are one determined person for sure. Any final thoughts today? I just want everyone who's listening today uh, to take away, if nothing else, that you should look at your numbers. Um, don't be afraid of it. It's about giving you an idea of where you're at so that you can make progress towards what's next instead of trying to judge how things are, maybe good or bad. Start by getting a benchmark on where where's mm-hmm. your starting point so you can measure progress from that and also celebrate the wins. I find that a lot of business mm-hmm. owners or people in general just easily can move on to the next goal, right? Because there will always be a higher bar, right? Mm -hmm. Even millionaires have higher bars, right? So don't, you know, don't forget to take a moment to pause and celebrate. And it's something that a friend of mine shared with me on a mastermind that I was on and said, wow, you've come so far. What are you doing to celebrate that? And it really kind of struck me because I'm as you said, determined, right? Like the word that came to me and I'm just so easy uh, to move on to the next thing. I'm like, okay, we mm-hmm. achieved that goal. Check mark. Let's move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. And instead I think I'm taking a pause to really reflect and realize and celebrate in whatever way you feel you need to celebrate that uh, you've achieved that and you've come this far. And it's really exciting to see, look back and see, wow, I've 
come really far and this is fantastic and I've accomplished all of this um, instead of just focusing on, okay, what's next? What's next? Mm. What's next? Right. Which is mm. the culture we kind of live in. So mm. just take a pause, breathe and celebrate what you've achieved. I love that you said that because I've always been like that too. Move on to the next thing or, you know, you kind of, someone tells you, oh, you did such a good job and you're like, oh, you know, great. Thank you. I think it's because in our mindset, first of all, we're harder on ourselves than anybody else. I know for Mm -hmm. myself anyways. And the second thing is, is that, you know, we feel like if we're always talking about how we're doing, we're bragging. But someone told me it's a humble brag and it's okay to celebrate and be humble about good things that you're doing. Because if you can't celebrate the good things that you're doing, then what are we doing it for? There's no recourse, there's no end result to it, or there's nothing to look forward to or nothing to be happy about. So I love that you had said that. And that's something that I've been trying to do myself is celebrate them, whether they be small, big, I've been trying to celebrate them as well. I wanted to take the time to thank you for joining me on this great conversation. I think, Carla, you were one of the most thoughtful and disciplined leaders that I have had the privilege to encounter. I admire your ability to love, and I love that you love to help those that require some help. I just believe you're such a go-getter, and that is an attitude and something that I admire about you so much. I think the moment that I met you, I admired the fact that you were willing to listen, especially to me, and give me guidance of whatever I was trying to do. And I remember the words that you said to me right from day one, I am willing to support you as best as I can. Let's do it. And I just was so impressed with that. Thank you for agreeing to come on as a guest today and for showing me that you were there to support me right from the beginning. And I appreciate and admire you greatly. You are truly one of the good ones. Oh, thank you, Andrew. That means so much. And uh, it's, you know, what we strive to do is help each other, support each other, collaborate. Um, it's not a competition, right? It's much more fun when you do it together with friends and can support each other and champion each other uh, to get to even bigger goals. And um, you're such a kind person. And thank you. Those words mean so much to me. Uh, I really appreciate it. Well, they come from the heart, Carla. So, you know, sometimes you feel like you can say something about somebody. And I thought of them today and prepared them. But, you know, you always feel like there's so much more that I could say about you. Just because of highly regarded, I I really feel that you are. So thank you for, like I said, thank you for being one of the good ones. Thank you for being so supportive. And thank you for being you. Well, thank you for having me here today. Um, I appreciate having spent this time with you, having this conversation, and I hope people find it helpful and, you know, continue to listen uh, for more of the great work that you're putting out there. Um, you're doing this out of, you know, love and passion for what you do. So we do not take that for granted. Well, I appreciate that. So on behalf of myself and my guest, Carla, I would like to thank you all for listening today. And until next time, be safe and remember that if we all work together, we can accomplish anything. You have been listening to Let's Be Diverse with Andrew Stout. To stay up to date with future content, hit subscribe 